Bundle up. This is the focus group. It's the savvy side of nine to five. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the focus group with Tim Bennett. S T A U N C H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash, and uh, coming to you from our remote studios, as we have been all year, right, Mr. Nash? Uh, most of it. Yeah, we were just talking about that before the show. <laughs> yeah, most of it. And, uh, you know, before we get into the to the, the full throttle of the show, it has been an odd year, 2020, and uh, we've had a partner with us throughout the year called Fiverr. And it really is our go-to authority for finding any sort of freelance talent on demand, really. You can find them um, for any any project you're looking for, any price range, any budget. And the pretty cool thing is you can um, find them globally. John and I have used uh, talent in places as far away as Australia or Germany or Bangladesh and Vietnam. And uh, we always am pleased with, uh, with the work we get. So if you're looking to... Um, try to get something done in these difficult times and trying to find a freelancer, which can be difficult now. A lot of people always ask us, who do you use to do X, Y, or Z? Um, we just direct everybody to Fiverr, right, John? Give them a shout out. Yeah, I, I have sworn by Fiverr for a while, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And in fact, uh, Tim and I are in the midst of doing some web work right now and reaching out to some vendors on Fiverr to help us with WordPress and a few other things. But as I was scrolling through their site, because I have it up here, if you're watching the video, we have the site up here. You know, it's everything you need to, basically, it's every service you can imagine they probably offer, uh, from voiceover to writing jingles to web work. Web's one of the most popular ones. You know, graphic design packages, uh, logos, business cards, greeting cards, letterhead, whatever you think of. Um, and what, if you need help with it, they're going to be able to find, uh, you're going to be found a resource there. And We've had extremely good luck with everybody we've dealt with, and as Tim said earlier, they are all the artists are all from around the world. Um, they find someone in Canada, find someone in England, find someone in India, and it's just been a great experience. So we want you to try them out. If it's your first order, please use our code FOCUS uh, to get 10% off. So it's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. On your first order, you'll receive 10% off. Again, it's Fiverr, find all the digital services and everything you need in one place at FIVERR.com. And again, use our code FOCUS and uh, you'll get 10% off your first order. So there you go, Mr. Bennett. Thank you, Mr. Nash. How was your, uh, how was your week starting, starting off as we, uh, we move through the month of November? I, um, you know, I'm not a fan of Mondays, but you know that. <laughs> You're not? No, I'm not a fan of Monday. I, and I think that I detected a little bit of Monday in, in our last call as well with you, but because um, we had some stuff we were dealing with last week, and after after the the rush of the uh, the weekend did, we 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 actually had to handle some really, I would say, some really heavy business stuff last week, which we, you and I had done a lot of work for, and then it ended seemingly successfully, and I think it is successful, but after it settled in our brain pans for a while. Monday. Do you think it's going to happen? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about, but you know, you have to listen. We're alive. <laughs> oh, you know, you we're, to... oh, we're at that default now, right? <laughs> 
Well, you have to figure out you're alive and you're living another day, Mr. Nash. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, I guess people's craziness in business never ceases to amaze us. And that would probably be the, be the overarching theme. If you're ever to write a book about different people you've dealt with in business, it's probably, well, it's probably all the same, right? You've got to figure out you and I've talked about early jobs when you and I first started working out of college and, um, Although technology has changed, I don't think people's personalities, there's still the different types of people that are in business. I was telling Richard over the weekend a story about when I worked at Walden Books, and the woman that I worked for at the time was 18 years old, 16, 17, 18 years old. She, her philosophy was the customer's always wrong. And <laughs> One of my favorites, a, yeah. yeah. She would give me a litany of reasons why. And um, we were laughing about it because we had a similar customer service experience um, here in Rehoboth. And I said, God, this reminds me of 40 years ago when I was working in the bookstore. And um, and it was the same, same sort of thing, same sort of managerial style. So I think uh, more things change, the more they stay the same in some regards. You know, on that score, if I had to, when you were asking, you know, about early business stuff and everything, why is it that we remember the the really, the bad clients and the bad bosses or the the bosses that were you know, they were extremes. Like I, I remember a lot of the good stuff, but the ones that really stick in mind are some of the ones that are either on the far end of the spectrum on the good side or just super bad. You know, I guess that's what we remember, right? Well, probably because you learn from them either way. So yes. whether somebody was really very good or they weren't a good manager, um, you learned from them both ways. And that that's what I've always found. I, I probably had some good bosses, um, not, nothing particularly memorable in, in some regards, but uh, I certainly remember the ones that were great and the ones that were were not great. So that's you know that's why I said I think it. I think sometimes the more things change, they stay the same. That regardless of technology and everything else that's going on, there's still these certain types of people and personalities, and uh, it makes you shake your head. Well, the other thing we talked about um, earlier before recording was also the fact that we're facing down the winter. And regardless of the elections and regardless of um, what's happening in Washington, there are some facts on the ground that just aren't changing. And that's that, you know, the event is gearing up again. It could be equal to what we experienced earlier in the year. And I think that when you process that, you're like, hmm. Okay, I went through all the shelves. I went through the photo albums. We got four months ahead. You, know, <laughs> you gotta get mentally brace yourself for what's I've got ahead, some boxes right? you can go through. Okay. If you need me to send them to you. <laughs> I'll drive. You probably down just and... toss them. You wouldn't even open it. You toss them. Toss them away. You, well, you save a lot of clothing too, don't? Did you get rid of a lot? You used to save a lot of clothing. Well, I'm always thinking I'm going to lose ten pounds and I can wear it again. I mean, they're saving. I don't. My weight fluctuates. See, you, your weight doesn't fluctuate. You're always within three. You've been within three ounces your whole life. Of what, well, your, I'll your, let you know if that theory holds. Today is my annual physical at five o'clock. There you go. So, you know, I could be anywhere. I go from, you know, 20 pounds with, you know, swing of a hammer. I can I can lose weight or gain weight. So I have different clothes for different things. Like this <laughs> this thing I have on now. I like I that. Wear when I was, but I, I certainly couldn't wear it if it you know, it would be hanging off me when I was in shape. So but I thought I've got you, to I thought you sort of saved things from college days and 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 memory clothing. I'm going to call it memory clothing. Like you wore this shirt to a concert. Oh, I you stopped wore, that. You did stop that. it. Okay, but you did do that, right? I did. And somebody told me I had this one crazy outfit. I used to wear these green pants and this plaid shirt, and I, I would wear it when I was an obnoxious tour guide at uh, at college. And 
I saved it. I could never, I couldn't get my big toe in it um, now, you know, if I was to wear it. But I saved it. And then a friend of mine said to me, rather than saving this stuff, just take a picture of it. Mm. So I took a picture of the outfit, not the same, but I took a picture of it. And then I just threw away a whole bunch of Halloween costumes. I had a Dame Edna outfit. I had a Marge Simpson wig, all the stuff, tie dye tuxedo. I threw all that stuff away. And um, the only thing I have kept is I have a bag of rowing shirts. And this goes back to probably 10 years ago when you and I were on Sirius. I'm supposed to send it somewhere to get a quilt made. I remember this. I do remember the quilt. I do remember this. Yeah. Uh, yet to happen. But it will go someday before they dry run, I guess. And do you, um, do you have, like I found the other day, I, I didn't find it, but I know where it is, but I, I looked at it again. I have my T-shirt from our graduation at uh, Pomperog. Yes, I found that as well. It's, I don't even know if I ever wore that. I, what, no, we never. Uh, it was it just it was like a giveaway thing. All our names yeah. are on the back. I found you. I found me. And mine's like starting to yellow a bit, you know, just a little bit because it's been in a drawer for a long time. That would be one you might want to take a picture of. But there's something about touching that that takes us back to, you know, graduation, right? Well, you know, my friend Matt had taken a couple of shirts like that that people had given me and uh, he made pillows out of them. And, um, which I thought are pretty cool. So, you know, there's other ways you can repurpose them, I suppose, but these rowing shirts, I don't want to get rid of. And so I will eventually have a quilt made, but that, uh, now that you remind me of that, they're in a bag. So I'll have to, uh, have to get on that. So what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Well, as it goes, as we've been talking about the election and about, um, how polarized the country is. I've got one here that came up, and um, basically the headline reads this. Trump supporter files restraining order against neighbor for bullying him with pro-LGBTQ chalk art. (laughs) Chalk art. So right away we know that maybe it's not the neighbor, maybe it's the neighbor's kids. And this guy says, he says his Biden-supporting neighbor is bullying him because he's a Trump supporter. In California, Donald Trump supporter Michael Mason says his neighbor... (laughs) who supports President-elect Joe Biden, has bullied his family so much he was forced to file a restraining order. Uh, Mason told local news that he was ready to move out of the area because his family didn't feel welcome. The event that seemed to set him over the edge was when neighborhood children (laughs) drew pro-LGBTQ art on the sidewalks outside of his home in a cul-de-sac. I didn't want to do this, Mason said, outside of his home, which is festooned with pro-Trump banners. They're making me have to do this. I'm tired of getting harassed all the time. My kids don't want to come outside. He showed the news video of the neighbor's children taunting his kids after Trump lost the election. He also complained that the kids wore Black Lives Matter, wrote Black Lives Matter outside of his house, along with a drawing of a rainbow flag with support LGBTQ rights. I went down there and I asked them, well, why don't you write this in front of your house or anyone else's house? And they just laughed at me, he complained. The uninvolved neighbor who lives between the dueling households may have summed the situation up best by declaring it insane, adding, 2020 (laughs) has been kind of a crazy year for everybody. So that is what caught my eye. And I have to tell you, what the hell, right? I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well... You know, there's one of them. I, I've seen this happen a lot with these neighborhoods on the sidewalks where kids will do anything. You know, you, you do chalk art and people get all wound up about it. It's chalk, right? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. permanent. Yeah. It'll be washed away. And uh, Do you think we'll have a simpler time sometime, Mr. Nash? It's not going to be Andy Griffith anytime soon. I, I'm warning you about that. 
I wish. You know, speak, I wish. Speaking but... of that, by the way, <clears throat> one of my favorite Andy Griffith episodes just about happened this weekend here in Rehoboth. The um, so President-elect Biden was in town and he was out mountain biking. And word must have gotten out. You sent me a picture and, of the motorcade. That was the text yeah, so, you sent, so right? What, yeah. Richard and I had driven down to the beach just to go look at the beach to see what was going on. We get there, and all of a sudden, there's all these camera crews set up, and then we see the, the motorcade. I said, oh, my God. I said, Biden must be exercising. Let's sit here and see what happens. Well, news must have got out, which reminded me of when Mayberry had the gold truck come through with $7 million of gold, <laughs> and it was supposed to be quiet, and the townspeople are showing up. There was a woman there came running in her nightgown with a robe on, people scurrying with phones. It, it was so ridiculous. And um, I said, boy, this is one notch above Mayberry, boy. It might even be one notch below. <laughs> the town was so excited. And um, and then people were like, who is this? Who is this? Why is he here? So like, well, he has a beach house here. Well, in he town. lives here. <laughs> For yeah. starters, he lives here, right? So they, um, So he was in town. He did some shopping. He did whatever. But he was down enjoying the beach. But I laughed about um, when you mentioned the, the Mayberry time of the, the very simple time of the, the town folk coming out to see what's, what's taking place. So um, my story is uh, from John Waters, who we love, the director, John Waters. And he's bequeathed his art collection to the Baltimore Museum of Art. And part of the part of the process or part of the reason um, he did this is because they also agreed to name the bathrooms in his honor. <laughs> So they're going to be the John Waters restrooms. It, was at that the something he Museum insisted on? He insisted on that, like that. You yeah. have to do this. Yep. Okay. He, he insisted on. So he said he's a. They call him the self-proclaimed Pope of Trash. He announced last Wednesday that he's bequeathing some of his most precious things that he owns, approximately 375 prints, paintings, and photographs, to the Baltimore Museum of Art. And he said the reason he's giving them to Baltimore is when he was a little kid, he would go down to the. Um, to the art museum and he had bought a poster. He said this was back in the fifties and it, it was a kind of a controversial poster and he hung it in his room and all his friends and everybody got upset by it. And he said that was when he got the bug to collect art because he realized that art could provoke shock and cause trouble. <laughs> so he said, interesting. That was, that was when he decided to become a collector. So he has everything from, from Warhols to Lichtensteins and, and a number of other things. And he said that, um, and one of the, um, one of the impetus of giving it to him was they were going to name the, the John Waters Rotunda uh, in his honor. But he also said, what about giving me the restrooms, the John Waters restrooms? He said, they thought I was kidding. I said, no, I'm serious. And uh, he said, it's in the spirit of the artwork I collect, which is a sense of humor. It's confrontational. It's minimalist. And it makes people crazy. So the, um, the, the, the uh, museum said fine. And uh, so now they're trying to figure out, do they put artwork in the restrooms as well? <laughs> why not so he, though right why not it's a museum right so, he's, right, so he said that um and so I'll, I'll, I'll read it because it, it makes sense he says waters is already having fun imagining which pieces will be on view in the restroom he thinks some that might be the logical choices uh he thinks of things as he runs them through of what might be the logical choices he said i have a piece by tony tacit called i peed my pants he said, I have another one where there's a wedge lump by Mike Kelly, which looks exactly like a giant turd. He said, I also have a piece of chiffon toilet paper from George Stoll. He says, I have a lot of artwork that will work well in the bathroom. So he's, uh, <laughs> he's excited to have the, the John, John Waters restrooms uh, at the Baltimore Museum of Art, as well as one of the rotundas in his art on, on exhibit. But 
you know, what a sense of humor, right? I mean, he's such a character. Love John Waters. And this just is so keeping in his personality. Um, I think it's brilliant. And I'm glad you brought it to our attention as it caught our eye, because I think it's a very smart thing. And he's the son of Baltimore, right? Yeah, he is. And he, and he said, and, and that's what I said earlier, his story very much about the fact that he, he, he uh, learned early on that uh, art can be, art can make people uncomfortable in some cases or, or create shock. And uh, he said he learned that from going as a little kid to the Baltimore Museum of Art, and that's why he wanted to give it to them. So good for him. <laughs> John Waters. Was, was, um, am I correct that Divine was also from Baltimore? <laughs> Yes. A okay. lot of his characters were, I think, was it Mink Stoll, mm-hmm. too? Yep. They were all, um, like, was, locals yeah, to him. Yeah, quite a cast of characters. You know our friends Mark and Carl here. Yep. And um, Mark, in particular, used to hang out with a, a woman um, who lives here, Sandra, who hung out with Waters when they were kids. And uh, she lives down here in Rehoboth now, and she has some... Her story, she just shake her head. She shakes her head. <laughs> in other words, next time we visit, we need to hang out with her. <laughs> yes, and you'll love her. She's She'll have stories. Quite a character. Time for business birthday. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So, Mr. Nash, do you know the name Rose Knox? Not the person, but I have seen Knox on a box in a kitchen, namely, a- <laughs> namely my Knox. mother's or my grandmother's kitchen, yeah. Knocks on a box. So I did not know Rose. She popped up as her business birthday today. She was one of the foremost um, women in American business overall. She was born November 18th, 1857. She died at 92 years old in 1950. And uh, she ran the Knox Gelatin Factory in Johnstown, New York, uh, after her husband died. And she won the respect of um, leading businessmen and women at the time. Um, but there weren't too many businesswomen at the time. She really was at the forefront um, nationally and uh, globally of women that, that ran businesses. So she had met her husband. She grew up in Ohio. She met her husband in 1881, and they had moved to uh, Johnstown, New York, and she was at home one night making gelatin for desserts, and her husband was watching her and came up with this idea of, I wonder if we should make this on a large scale and, and, and do a factory. So they opened a factory, the Knox Gelatin Factory in Johnstown, and um, which was unique at the time, she was very much involved in the business and worked with him doing everything from recipe, recipe books to managing business, um, business affairs uh, for the factory. He also allocated her a weekly allowance, which sounds funny now because we would An think, allowance. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> right. Of, right. Of course, you would you would take care of your wife. But um, she said that was actually very helpful to her because it helped her budget, uh, budget money and, and manage money. And. The one big part about that is that her husband died in 1908, and so she took the factory over. And why she had so much acclaim is she really felt everybody was equal. And I was surprised when I read some of these things. They said she made changes immediately on the first first day of work when she took over running the factory. And the first one was she closed the back door. So women and men worked together in the factory, but women had to come in the back door and men would come in the front. And that she said, no. That is so nope. weird. I'm sorry. That is Isn't so it? weird. Yeah. So she stated that um, there was only going to be one door that people came in and out of, and that was the front door, and there was going to be no separate doors. She also overheard one of the top executives say he was not going to work for a woman, so she forced him to resign and said, okay, then you're not going to work here. <laughs> and um, she Good also created her. the Yeah, she created the five-day work week. She also gave workers two weeks of paid vacation, which again was unheard of at the time. 
And they said the factory made it through the depression, one of the few businesses in that area, particularly that didn't have to release any workers. And uh, they said she was a Presbyterian in her her religion and a Republican in her politics. (laughs) And, um, but she received over the years, countless, um, um, accolades from all kinds of uh, business associated uh, organizations of, of being a leader in her field. And she was actually the first woman on the board of directors for the American Grocers Association in 1929. And um, very much, a, they said she's been honored in a number of distinctive awards in New York, in New York State for what she did for women and for business. So happy birthday to Rose Knox. I think it is so cool. I, I love when you find for business birthday uh, a woman you can profile, and especially one from the you know with a ninety-two year lifespan, going from eighteen fifty-seven into nineteen fifty. So, not only did she see the turn of the century, and think of all the things that she's seen in her her lifetime, right. but and, and when you describe her relationship with her husband as well, a true partnership, right? Yeah, it was, and that's and and that's why it's funny sometimes when we think about it. Uh, Hey, listen, women only had the right to vote for what, a hundred years or so ago. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not like, it's it's not like it was commonplace as it is now, but, uh, I, I, you can imagine how tough it must've been for her to all of a sudden say, I'm going to run this factory. Well, on top of the fact, yeah, you lose your heart, you lose your friend and your partner in life, your husband. Right. And then you decide you're going to run the business that he ran. Yeah. And, and you, and you do it really well and you do it really well. And you, and you bring about some workplace changes that are still with us today. And thank, thank you. I, I love that one. It's a good business birthday. Thanks Rose. <laughs> so, Hey, yeah. So, Hey, many of you know that deep discounts been with us uh, here on the focus group and we love to uh, have you go support them right now. They've got a site-wide winter sale going on. And uh, if you go to focusgroupradio.com, please click on the deep discount logo and start shopping away. We'd like you to go through our site because then we get credit. And uh, then people know that uh, that you found deep discount by uh, by your friends at the focus group. So, Mr. Nash, what did uh, what did you find this week on the on the site wide sale? I was super thrilled to find out that uh, deep discount has a movie that I highly recommend. It's a documentary. You and I love documentaries about 97 minutes long. And it's all about the life and times of Ray Harryhausen. And depending on. what you grew up watching, Jason and the Argonauts, um, you know, the, the Ray Harryhausen, it came from the deep. Like, he was the master of something called stop-motion animation, where he'd make a puppet with an arm, like a metal armature, and you'd move it a frame, move it a frame, move it a frame. And there was this, and, you know, a lot of people grew up watching his movies. Um, and, and, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, 20,000 Fathoms, it came from beneath, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, right. Mysterious Island was one of the ones that I totally remember as a kid because these people get shipwrecked on an island that um, Captain Nemo actually operates and they have, to, they have to fight off enormous bees and enormous crabs that have been genetically engineered, you know, to solve the world's food problems or something. Um, but many, many uh, filmmakers, uh, Peter Jackson of Hobbit and Lord of the Rings fame, Phil Tippett, who is a famous uh, stop motion animator responsible for the walking tanks in Empire Strikes Back, Terry Gilliam, um, that would be uh, Monty Python, Dennis Murin, John Landis, uh, Guillermo del Toro. 
James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, they all kind of worshipped at the altar of Ray Harryhausen. And the wonderful thing about this documentary is he's actually interviewed on it as well. So it's the wow. people he inspired, and it's him. So I think it's a, a must-have. It's a good 1333 for the DV, uh, Blu-ray, actually, and it probably looks great. And it's uh, 97 minutes long, so it's Ray, Ray Harryhausen's Special Effects Titan is the name of the movie. I uh, I love documentaries, so I'm sure I would I would I would love that. I found something. It was funny. I was was clicking around through, and this popped up. And it, it might be my love of you and I grew up with MTV when they actually played videos and music. <laughs> yeah, and um, M- music television, MTV, right? Music television, right? So this popped up. It's the Voodoo Lounge Uncut, and it's a DVD of the Rolling Stones concert in in Miami, in 1994. And had everybody from, you know, they had Cheryl Crow um, as a guest star, Robert Cray, Bo Diddley. And um, the, the song list and the set list is unbelievable. So this disc or this this set that comes from from Deep Discount, it's under 20 bucks. It's 1971 is the total price. It's the DVD of the concert plus two CDs. So you get the music as well. Whoa, whoa, as whoa, whoa. For, the for actual under, music concert. Just a little under 20 bucks. 1971, you get yeah. the concert and you get music discs, right? Right, and there's uh, Whoopi Goldberg does the opening of introducing the band, and then it is every possible hit song, and then some from the Rolling Stones. And I had a whole new appreciate appreciation for the Stones. You remember Karen? I, I worked with at Subaru. She had tickets to a Rolling yeah. Stone concert, and she asked me to go, and I wasn't a, a huge fan, but I thought, ah, eh, I'll go. I'll see what it's like, and it blew me away. You've often talked about people who know how to perform and people that are performers. The Rolling Stones are, I've not been to a Bruce Springsteen concert, but I imagine similar thing of he knows how to entertain a crowd. The Rolling Stones know, know their audience and they know how to put on a show. And I was blown away. It was so much fun. And if anybody gets a chance to see them as they still, as they still tour. Yeah, yeah they do. Um, yeah. You, you should do that. But what I like about these music videos, I have one from Dead or Alive. Remember Dead or Alive? Oh, with, one of uh, Bob's favorite bands. Yep, totally. Right. I have I have the I have a, a a disc of theirs that's video, and I'll put them on. Like we have people coming over, you just have that on, and it runs. You know, the concert will run for two hours or whatever. And so the Stones wouldn't be a good one. I have Blondie. I've got um, Till Tuesday. I, I have these kind of odd odd discs that were that have concerts with people on them. And uh, Annie Lennox as well. So, I, I think this is a I think this is a good, good choice. Pick, good pick. So, what's the uh, the new release this week? It's a Wonderful Life in 4K, meaning it is probably the sharpest you'll ever see this print. It's been cleaned up as they always do when they do a 4K or blue K uh, Blu-ray release. It's Frank Capra's per- perennial holiday classic, one of the most beloved films of all time. Um, I love It's a Wonderful Life. I have a love-hate with its wonderful life because I think it's overplayed at the holidays. I think it, I wish it was like Wizard of Oz when we were kids. <laughs> they show once only. You got to sit at the TV. But it's Donna Reed, Thomas Mitchell, Lionel Barrymore. Um, of course, you know it's just it's just a great James Stewart, um, Bedford Falls. Uh, he's banker George Bailey. We all know the story. I hope you've seen it. And if so, you will have, you watch it if it comes? If you were flipping through and it popped up, would you watch it? I, I don't will. Know, is, it, is it played on? I guess it was played maybe on, on some. Cable, a lot of networks. A lot of networks carry it. They have the right to carry it. And I will tell you this though: if I bought the this version, the Blu-ray or 4K, I would definitely watch it because it just looks different when you play it off Blu-ray right. or a uh, you know a player. And I would be curious to see how crisp and beautiful it is because, of course, you know it's a black and white film. 
And I think is this that, your favorite holiday movie? Would you say? Hmm, you know, um, Bob kind of turned me into a Bishop's Wife fan, right? And, and that's the one where uh, Cary Grant comes. He's an angel. He's going to help David Niven build a cathedral, or so he thinks. And it happens around Christmas time. And I had never seen the movie before I met Bob, and now that I know it. I really do love it a lot. So that might be one of my perennial favorites now. (laughs) So uh, wrapping up with Deep Discount, remember to go to focusgroupradio.com and click on the Deep Discount logo, and that will start you on your shopping extravaganza. This week, what did we talk about? I picked a documentary called Ray Harryhausen, Special Effects Titan. Highly recommended. I love documentaries, and I love going behind the scenes and learning about individuals their inspiration, and who they in turn inspired. Uh, Tim picked The Voodoo Lounge. It's a DVD plus two CDs. It's a full-length Rolling Stones concerts. None of us have seen a live event for a long time. I think that this is a great way to kind of mimic it, so I think it's a great pick, Tim. And the release this week is It's a Wonderful Life on 4K Blu-ray. And in fact, I think this also comes with a digital download as well, widescreen edition. Highly recommend it. So there you go, folks. Um, Thank you. Deep discount, as uh, Boys in the Booth used to say, right? (laughs) So we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we have a shop talk about uh, the future of cable and broadcast TV. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now, back to the Focus Group with Tim and John. Glamour today is nothing but a tight skirt, loose hips, and wet lips. An entertaining look at the world of business. Make it work. Make it work. Make it make it make it work. Hey, welcome back to the Focus Group. Tim Bennett here as always with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Be sure to find out all about us at focusgroupradio.com. And when you are listening or watching or or uh, scrolling through with us, be sure to subscribe, like, or rate us. Uh, everybody always asks us about those ratings and stuff, and so we appreciate it when we, uh, of course, when we get good ones. Right, John? <laughs> people do actually ask. How many people liked? How many people rated? Okay. I like toothpaste. I like toilet paper. And you like the focus you group. You want to watch it. The third yeah. quarter in the football game. Right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of your favorite lines. Yeah. So, hey, John had found this article. It's it's um, it's a combination of business story and I think also culturally of of where we are as a as a consumer of of media. And the headline is: Media executives are finally accepting the decline of cable TV as they plot a new path forward. And I was surprised by these numbers. And when it it opened up, the story said they expect 25 million U.S. households to cancel their pay TV subscriptions over the next five years. And that's on top of the 25 million homes that have already cut the cord since 2012. And they talk about how these streaming services have kind of um, usurped, I guess, the the viewing habits of of most people because a lot of these cable providers um, rely on advertisers to um, to obviously keep keep running. And people also are having to buy bundles of products which many times John and I have complained many times that we don't particularly want. I don't need the music. I don't really want the sports package. Um, but there are certain things I'd like, and I, we've always wondered why you just can't a la carte say, here's the menu. 
here's what I want and here's what will cost me. Right. Because there's so much stuff on there and your cable, I'm sure is, is the same as mine that I'll never watch. And I have zero interest in watching and I have to pay for it. You know, one, one of the biggest, yes. And one of the biggest takeaways that I had, the article is rather long and it's, it's kind of intriguing because what you really have going on here is a, you know, it's a confluence of a lot of interests at play. You have the media companies that are actually producing what we watch, Viacom, uh, C, you know, Viacom, CBS, NBC. Everybody has something we want to see, or they're creating it. Then you have the distribution, which is the cable companies, and they themselves are now actually sp supplying television or something. Like I know that our, our cable network, Spectrum, has Spectrum Originals. You could actually watch a show that you would never see anywhere else. And then you have the streaming platforms. You have Netflix and Amazon Prime. And you have Disney Plus and now Peacock. And the thing that got me most intrigued by this was one of the executives said it wasn't a question of content that they missed out on. It's the technology advantage that these streamers have because the world we live in with cable TV, it's, it's piped a certain way. It's one-way street. It comes into your home. Anybody who struggled with the video on demand system of their cable network knows that it's just not as intuitive or friendly to use as your Roku or your Apple TV. I don't know how you fight against that. I really don't. Right. And, and if you gave me the option of stripping away everything and saying, I want to pay for high speed internet and I want the following networks, I want BBC America, I want AMC, Turner, Turner Classic Movies, I want my local news. I want, and maybe I want CBS Sports or NBC when the Tour de France is running or something. But other than that, I could literally live with 12, 12 channels and then some streaming stuff. Could you do the same? I could do the same, and I, I, I am threatening to do it. So our friends Brian and Rich had had cut every cut the cable, but they kept everybody needs internet access, right? So they kept the high speed internet. What Xfinity and Comcast has done in the PA area is essentially jacked up the price of high speed internet to the point where it almost doesn't make sense not to have the cable package because <laughs> did they go back to cable then did, did they go back well so what they out? ended up doing they tried to do what everybody says okay I've, so they had a subscription to amazon prime a subscription to hulu netflix amazon um and then all these different remotes and things and then things would freeze up and they couldn't and, and it got so frustrating for them to just say let's watch x y or z well, let's try to get it through Apple TV. Well, now, now try it on Amazon Prime now to see if we can get it through this system or that system. And they ended up going back to cable because it ended up not being – it ended up just getting frustrating. And uh, I know a couple of other people that have done the same thing. But I find myself – I'm watching less cable TV because, A, I don't – Yeah. It's not appointment TV anymore for us. And, and they, they use the example of Seinfeld – Mm -hmm. Friends and some of these other shows and, and syndication where if you would go to TBS or TNT or something to watch them, you knew you had to do it at a certain time. And now with services like a Netflix or Amazon that have access to all these other shows, you can just go on and watch, binge watch, watch the whole thing um, whenever you want. And you don't need to do that. So I get very frustrated with with cable. I find myself watching less. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. And you know, last week on our show, we profiled a quick little story where Netflix in France was going to be debuting a kind of a linear TV experiment, almost like you just turn on the TV and whatever's playing is playing because right. it's some kind of group playlist, which is kind of like TV used to be with the three networks. Um, and your example of, of your neighbors um, cutting the cord uh, is exactly what I've been encountering with people. So, you know, our friend Greg, who's done copy work for us. Um, right. 
he got rid of it. He went to internet only, and then he bought a subscription to YouTube Red or something. It's like your local stations plus a bunch of stuff. By the time all was said and done, between that and a couple streaming packages in the internet, it was exactly what he was spending with the cable bill prior to that. So Right, and you got three more remotes. And you have a bunch more remotes, <laughs> and, you, and you're beholden to whatever uh, YouTube is putting up in terms of their uh, content for the network. It's a puzzle, and I think it's going to be a very messy thing. For the, this article concludes as follows. They basically say for the next several years, the empires are standing firm. You know, they're not going to, Comcast is not crumbling, neither is uh, Spectrum or Viacom or the big media companies. But the math, the de devil's in the details, and the math is not in their favor. As millennials come of age, they just don't see the need to get cable because they get their news from Facebook or Instagram or God help us, Twitter. Right. <laughs> right. And they watch what they want to watch when they want to watch it. And they'll buy it or they'll stream it, but they're not worried about a cable TV thing. In fact, I think that one of the stats in here was most new homes or people who move of recently, um, at, le at least I've read this a couple places, they don't even bother calling the cable company. They just want an internet no. put in. And, and then the game that you were talking about a minute ago, Tim, is exactly true. Uh, well, if you're not a bundled customer, uh, high-speed internet is actually going to be 80 or $90. So now you're in that zone of, all right, what am I doing? You know, it's crazy. Right, for 120 I'll yeah. get the basic package. But then my, my biggest frustration with any of the cable companies is, if you don't pay attention to your bill, it creeps up yep. and they don't tell you. It just keeps creeping up. And I, so I look at it every month and I get aggravated. But, um, and, and I do pay. I look at all the charges of things. I don't want the sports package. I don't want the children's channels. I don't want the music. The music one for me just drives me crazy. That, I don't know if you get a music cost. We do. Yours. We do. And, and we, I have, we have um, Pandora. We have SiriusXM. We have our iTunes libraries. I don't need the television right. to have me to give me music yeah because I mean, the speaker's so great out of my tv to listen to <laughs> well we have ours going through a sound bar so so there you have it um cable a reckoning in the broadcast and, and cable tv uh industries is coming and it's a reckoning that's not going to only be for the carriers or the providers of these services but also the media companies that produce the shows we watch because they're, they have to keep producing them. They have to put them somewhere, and that's going to be and, – and it's going to affect advertising revenue, a whole big thing. It's a whole big universe that's going to be affected by this. Yep. All right, so there you go. Uh, thank you for joining us this week uh, here on The Focus Group, and um, we want to thank Deep Discount for being a partner of ours here on the show. It's a site-wide sale. Uh this all month actually, and it's a great time to get some wonderful deals over there. I picked a documentary on Ray Harryhausen. Tim picked something called Voodoo Lounge. I just like the name of it. It's a Rolling Voodoo Stone Lounge. concert. You get the whole concert on video and you get music discs as well. And the release this week was It's a Wonderful Life on 4K video, meaning, meaning here's the word I use, it sparkles. Sparkle, Neely. <laughs> sparkle, Neely. Sparkle. So we want to remind you to don't text and drive, arrive alive, and mask up and stay healthy. And we'll see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.